to lay aside every weight, to lay aside every sin. It's something that is not easy to do. It's something that a lot of us will struggle with because it's easy to lay aside sin at some point. Some of us know that what we do is wrong and we know that this is not right and, and it's, I shouldn't be doing this, but to lay aside everything else that holds us back from Christ that is not a sin is hard. Some of us might lay, have a hard time laying aside the opportunity to go to a new job because we know when we do that, it's going to pull us away from church and from God and from community. Some of us may say, it's hard to uh, lay aside my kids' amazing, uh, you know, soccer schedule because uh, if I do that, it's not really a sin to go to soccer. It's not a sin to do things. But if I do, it moves me further away from God, whatever the case. If that's possible, if you can balance the two, balance them. We're going to talk a little bit more about that today, but I just want to say what a crazy week it has been. Amen? It's an amazing, crazy week, and I am just excited to be here I am filled. I am flooded. I, I don't say flooded. I am just uh, just expressed and just uh, just full of just emotion to be here. And it's just been a crazy, crazy week. And I'm just so happy to be back with you guys. Um, if any of you guys have experienced flooding this week or just hard rains, I know that there was a, a, a it was a Friday or it was, I think it was Friday when the tornadoes all started touching down around Corpus and service like you better go get the kids and I'm like are you serious you know and so it was just wild and crazy but I love this church because when I got from I got phone calls are you okay pastor I would call some of the people are you okay I put on Facebook everyone all right you know everyone okay we as a church we stick up for each other we always say we're family or somos familia here we we stick to each other no matter what let me tell you this I don't care what goes on in your personal life. Your Christian life is more important than your personal life. And so our witness to each other as brothers and sisters of Christ is a better and more important witness than we are as family. And we're like, what does that mean, Pastor? What does that mean? I'm just saying that above all else, love each other. And above all else, go with the extra mile for someone else. Above all else, do whatever it takes to serve someone else who is in need because that is what God desires from us. Amen? Someone who helps me out a lot is Sarah. Um, She was here last week preaching on motherhood and she gave like the top 10 keys or top 8 keys to to be a godly mother and uh, I heard the podcast. She did an amazing job Um, and just really proud of her. So let's just give her a round of applause one more time. Just kind of give her gratitude and thankfulness. But moving on, I'm here now, so you guys have to listen to me yell at you for a while. Open your Bibles up to Mark chapter 8. If you don't have your Bibles, you can look in the bottom of your row. There should be a Bible there. Um, if you don't have a Bible, you can look online. There's Bible apps and stuff on your phone. Uh, just to be playing like Flappy Bird or something, and I'll be okay with that. Um, also, um, if you go on Facebook, uh, on the Impact City Church Facebook, I post the, 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 the Scripture every morning uh, for Sunday on there, so you can go in there, and if you haven't liked the page, like it, share it, tell people you're here, whatever. If you help us get the word out, this is like probably the biggest sales pitch you ever hear me say, but if you help us get the word out, more people will know about it, and then more people can be helped by Jesus through the church, and so thank you so much for doing that, if you've already done that. So, okay, it's one of those mornings where I first get back, and I haven't preached in a couple of weeks, I'm starting to get a little agitated and antsy, so it's going to be one of those type of sermons, Okay. 
So you guys are hearing with me? All right. All right. So uh, we've been preaching through the Gospel of Mark um, since January 2014. It's been over a year long so far. And we're just now on chapter 8, towards halfway in the middle of that. And so here we are, Mark chapter 8. It's been an amazing journey so far. Lots of cool things have happened. But as we're going through verse by verse of the Bible, let me just kind of say again, that's what we believe we're called to do as a church. It might not be for every other church, but for us and for what we do, we want to make sure that no matter what is going on in my personal life, no matter what is going on in your personal life, so we're not going to pick and choose sermons just to kind of adhere and step on your toes because I'm like, okay, well, so-and-so is in adultery. We're going to preach about adultery this week. You know, like we're not going to do that, you know? And so what I wanted to do is just go verse by verse through the Bible. That way, if you're struggling with something and you come to church and the pastor is preaching about what you're struggling with, you can't blame me because he should have known because it's up next on the list, you know? And so this sermon and, and, and all the sermons through Mark, they're literally just, the next line on the chapter, and we go verse by verse so we don't miss anything. It causes me to preach some sermons that are hard for me to preach. It causes me to work extra hard to research things that, I'm looking forward to the transfiguration. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've never even preached that before. That's in chapter 9, so that's coming up. So it causes us to be forced out of our comfort zone and into the places that God really wants us to be in something that's a little bit deeper and more meaningful. So if you would please, Mark chapter 8. We're going to be starting up in verse 27. Starting in verse 27, Mark chapter 8. It says this, And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist. And others say, Elijah. And others, one of the prophets. And he asked him, but who do you say that I am? Now let's just kind of stop right there because the question that Jesus is proposing to us, the thing he's, he's kind of putting out there, is a very important question to all of our lives. And it's so important to our lives that it actually causes life or death in our lives. The answer is a life or death answer. And so... As Christians, we all must answer this question is, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? And when I say you, put your name in there. Who is Jesus to Heather? Who is Jesus to Giancarlo? Who is Jesus to Felix? Who is Jesus to you? Who is that man? What does he mean to you? In fact, the answer to the question, like I said, means life or death. So let's just keep reading on. It says, and he told him, they said John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others say the prophets, and he asked him, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, you, you are the Christ. And he strictly charged them not to tell anyone about him. So Peter says, you, you, Jesus, you're the Christ. That's Peter's answer. And he could have said anything. He could have said, man, no, I believe you're John the Baptist, man. Even though I've seen John the Baptist, I kind of still believe that you could be him. Maybe you're playing some type of mind trick on me or something. Um, I believe that you're Elijah. You know, Elijah was a prophet in the Old Testament that never died. He was taken up in a chariot of fire back up to heaven. And the, the Jewish people believe that maybe one day he would come back to Israel and kind of help with the whole redeeming process of Israel. And so they said, well, maybe you're Elijah. He could have said that. He said, maybe you're Elijah. He could have said that. Or he could have said, you know, maybe you're one of the prophets, man. 
Like, like, you know, I remember reading about these prophets, and maybe you're like Jeremiah. Maybe that's who you are. Or maybe you're like Obed, or one of the old prophets, or Obadiah, one of the old guys from Old Testament. Maybe you're one of the prophets, or maybe you're just another prophet. You know what, Jesus? Maybe to me, maybe you're just a really cool guy that I like to follow around and listen to what you say, because what you say kind of lifts me up in my spirits, or what you say gets me going. I really enjoy what just listening to you. He could have said that. He also could have said, you know what, Jesus? Do you just like one of us, bro? You're just a really cool guy. Yeah, sure, you fit 5,000 people. That would, eh, luck. I don't know, maybe you got some kooky little wild side to you. But whatever it is, I think you're just one of us, man. But he didn't say that. He said, you are the Christ. You are the Christ. Now, contrary to popular misbelief, Christ is not Jesus' last name. You know, like when I was growing up, I, when I first found out that Christ was not Jesus' last name, you know what the first thing I said was, well, what was his last name? Was it Trevino? Was it Garcia? A lot of us may look in, you know, at a phone book and see Jesus Garcia, but it's really Jesus Garcia. So you know, what is it that, you know, what does Christ really mean? If it's not his last name, what does it really mean? The word Christ comes from the Greek word Christos. Y'all say it with me. Christos. Christos. You got to roll that R. You got to get that flavor in there. Come on, guys. You got to wake up. Christos, which means anointed one or chosen one. It is the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew word Mashiach. You got to say everything. Mashiach, which means Messiah. Okay? So Christ means anointed the chosen one, but it also means Messiah. So while Jesus is the Lord's human name that was given to him by the, by the angel Gabriel in uh, Luke one thirty one, Christ is Jesus' not last name, but his title. Like Professor so-and-so, Dr. so-and-so. You get what I'm saying? Jesus Christ. And he was the only person who held that title in throughout the history of the world. Christ. So Christ literally means Jesus Messiah or Jesus, the anointed one. Now, why is that so important? Peter's confession that Jesus is the Christ was so important. His confessing that was so important because when he looked at Jesus, he said, you, my Lord, you want our Lord in my life because you're the Savior of the world. You're the Messiah. To be the Messiah in Jewish culture meant that you were going to be the one that came down from heaven and you were going to redeem all the nation of Israel from the conquering nation of Rome. You, my Lord, are the Messiah. You are Jesus. So that is so important. The importance is that, you know, John the Baptist is cool. Elijah is cool. The prophets are cool. They're all great guys. But none of them, none of them were going to save the world. And none of them are going to save us. But Jesus can. So when Peter confessed that Jesus was Christ, he was confessing he was Lord over all his life. Confessing that he was the one who's going to be the Savior to all the world. And confessing that he was the one that, that was worthy of all praise to him. Scripture tells us in Romans, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We've all heard that. That's kind of one of those famous quotes you see in the back of a, you know, coffee mug or something at Mardell. But it's so true. Because 
We all think we can be saved just by coming to church, right? We think we can be saved by doing something like that. But the Bible says that if we confess that Jesus is Lord, then we'll be saved. It's an important life or death answer. You see what I'm saying? John the Baptist won't save us. Elijah won't save us. Your favorite preacher on TV won't save us. The Pope won't save us. I don't say that. You know, um, you know the government won't save us. No one's going to save us except Jesus Christ, our Lord. So here's the problem here. How do we know that Jesus Christ is Lord of our life? How can we be sure he is Lord? Because listen, if Jesus Christ is not Lord of your life, he is useless in your life. What good is Jesus Christ in your life if he is not Lord of your life? Let's go on to see about that. What are, what are some of the things that define Lord? The word Lord is defined as someone who is having power or authority or influence, a master or a ruler of something. So right off the bat, does that sound like Jesus to you in your life? When you look at Jesus, does he look like the guy who is in control of your life? Does he look like the guy who is in charge of your life? Does he look like the one who is ruling the master of your life? Right off the bat, we can figure that out. And Jesus is Lord of our lives whenever we give everything up to him, every part of us to him. That is when we know he is Lord. When we trust him of all our needs and follow him in every place that he leads us into. The way we know that Jesus is Lord is that we can trust him with everything in our lives. If you're taking notes, that's the first thing we can figure out if we know that he is Lord, is that he can trust him with every part of our lives. I remember the other night uh, when we got home, from, uh, God, I think we were at a birthday party or something on Monday night, and um, we got home like at 9.30. We like, we closed out Pure Pipers. We were like there talking to another couple. We were there like late. Anyway, we get home, and it just rained earlier that day or something like that. And the moisture was getting kind of, kind of up there, so what happens when all that happens? Cockroaches start coming out, right? And so we're, we're walking up my driveway, and a cockroach comes and like stands between, like I pass it, right? And it comes behind me, and so Skylar's walking up, and she like freaks out. She like stands there, right? And this cockroach went thug on us and just stood there. And it was like, what? Like to Skylar, you know? And she's freaking out. And I'm over here across the cockroach. I'm like, just come on over. Let's get past it. And she's like, no, Dad, no. Like, look at him, you know? Like, no, he's monstrous, you know? And I was like, just come. Just, just, just trust me and come forward. And she wouldn't do it, right? She did not want to go into that place that would make her feel scared, uncomfortable, and just, just not in a good place to be. She did not want to go where her father wanted to lead her because she didn't trust me. And so I could come on, and that cockroach, I swear that cockroach was thug up to, like, he was like, thug life, like, what? You going to cross? Come on. You know, and just stood there. Finally, I walked up, and I could have done a bunch of things, right? I could have walked up and just squished the dang cockroach and called it a night. And I would have been like, you know, like the thug killer. I could have been like the one that like saved my daughter's life. And it would have been awesome. And she would have thought I roped the room. But I wouldn't have shown her anything. So what I did was I was like, come on. Come, trust me. Come on. So I remember walking up. I put my hand out. And she grabbed it. And I walked her past that cockroach. Really, she kind of like jumped over the dang thing. You know. <laughs> then I killed it. But she learned to trust her father to go through a situation that she was scared to death of. And on the other side of that, she was safe. And I think if we're going to call Jesus the Lord of our lives, we have to be willing to trust him in those situations 
to where we're scared to death. Trust Him in those situations and trust Him with all of our lives where we, we say, you're Lord of my life. I know it doesn't look like everything's working out right for right now, but I'm going to trust you through this. I'm going to trust you to get through that. For me, you know, whenever I started trusting the Lord, one of the biggest things I trusted the Lord with was this church. When we were praying about planting the church and we were talking about what it would look like to actually venture off of the big church and start something on our own, what would that look like? And could we do it? And could God take, you know, just a couple and multiply them into something like this? And we have a lot of people out today, but usually this, this place is usually pretty packed. Remember that last week? And so... And so as, we're, as I'm trusting him, there's been a lot of great times in this church, amen? Like, we've had great times. I've seen lives saved. I've seen people raised from the dead to life in, in spirituality-wise. I mean, they, they come in, they get saved, they love Jesus, they, they get on fire for Christ. I've seen kids trust in the Lord and start an amazing life. I've seen kids re- you know, recite all Ten Commandments to me from the children's area. I see all these great things happening, and they, you know, all these things going on. Those are great moments. But there are so many times that I go home from here and I feel like giving up. And I feel like quitting. I feel like stopping because I see the sin that infects everyone in this room. And it hurts me. And sometimes I feel like, what is, is the point of doing this? Because I come to church and I, I pour my heart and I preach to people and I spend time with people. And then, they, you know, something happens and then they go and they screw up again. And I said it before a while back when I was talking to a couple of students. I said, they asked me, what is the hardest thing about being a pastor? The hardest part about being a pastor is seeing the people you love do the stupidest things that they don't need to do. And seeing them screw up again and screw up again. I tell you what, there's been so many times that I have felt like quitting and walking away that I figured, what's the point? But I don't because I trust in God. And I trust that God is going to push us through this season, that everyone here may have a bad season in their life, but you need to keep your trust in God that He's going to pull you through that. And I got to keep my trust in God that He is going to have grace upon everyone here, that eventually one day I swear everyone is going to be a lot better off than they were when they first walked through the doors. Amen? So we got to keep trusting in God. The second thing, we trust Him for all of our heart. And the second thing is we know we, that He is Lord by obeying His commands. By obeying His commands. These aren't on the screen, but I'm going to just kind of run through them quick. John 15, 14 says, If you are my friends, you will do as I command you. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, you will keep my commands. Second John 1, 16 says, And this is love that we walk accordingly to his commandments. And this is the commandment that just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you shall walk in it. Luke eleven twenty eight says, But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God, and keep it. And then Deuteronomy 11, 1 says, You shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his commands, his statutes, his rules, and his commandments always. I think it's very clear that God wants us to keep his commands. That when God says, Thou shalt not do this, or thou shalt do this, or thou needs to do this, that we do it. And listen, why wouldn't we do it? Like seriously, why wouldn't we want to follow God's commands? God wants the good for us. God wants all, all of this to work out for the good. And it's all throughout Scripture where God wants good things for us. I mean, like it's flooded. I mean, oh, wait, you can't say flooded. I mean, it's throughout, it's saturated throughout Scripture. 
Some of you people hear the word flooded, you cringe. Um, um, you see a drop of rain, you're like, ah. I mean, it is saturated throughout Scripture, the good things that God wants from us, and only if we obey Him, that if we listen to Him. Some of us wonder, well, why isn't God working in our lives? It's because you're not listening and obeying Him. Oh, yeah, I am. I'm coming to church. Like, that's not the only thing He said to do. You know? So, if we ever want to obey Him, we need to, 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 and we want good things to happen, we need to obey Him. And the answer to the reason why we don't obey Him lies within our own hearts. Every time we choose sin over obeying in God's commandments, we're denying Jesus as Lord in our life. So if we're not listening and obeying God in the commandments, then Jesus really isn't Lord of our life. And we said earlier that Jesus isn't Lord of our life, then He is useless to us. And some of us wonder why we still go through troubles and we still are, are dealing with things that, that just aren't working out. It's because the reality is Jesus isn't Lord of our lives because we're not obeying his commands. To be Lord means to obey. It means to, to follow your Lord. You, you don't, you know, back in the day when, when there was a master of a, you know, a, of an of a empire or something, people listened to that guy. That's why there's laws. God says, if you listen to my laws, nothing but good will come from it. So why wouldn't we listen to it? The, the, the sermon earlier, the little mini-sermon, was saying that, that we lay aside all of our sins and other things that come up in between us that prevent us from running with God, that prevent us from that walk with Jesus. And so a lot of those things are obey me, uh, 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 commandments and things that he's obeyed us to do, that if we don't obey him, we're going to prevent us from walking with him. So, listen to what he says, even if you don't like it. I remember the hardest thing for me was like, I, you know, I used to like cuss like crazy. You know, like when I was, a, I was younger, I was like terrible about that. And the Bible talks about not having any malicious talk or bad words coming in your mouth and, and bringing people up versus cutting people down. I love to cut people down. I, used to cut, I could cut you down, make you cry, talk about your mama all day long. That was something that I was struggling with as a young Christian who was learning not to do that. So our obedience to God's commands proves that He is Lord in our lives. So we know He is Lord when we trust Him with everything. We know He is Lord when we obey His commands. And the last thing is, we know He is Lord when we praise Him with our lips. We're praising with our lips. I love what it says here in the Psalm 150. It says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You know we can praise a lot of things in life, you know? There's so many things that we can praise in life. We can praise our favorite, our favorite football teams or sport teams. Some of us can curse them as well. Some of us, like, you know, like the Cowboys, you know, I can love them, and they're doing great, and then they, they mess up one play, and they're, like, on the bottom of my list again, and they got to work their way up. Like, some of us can praise our favorite sport teams. Some of us can praise our job. Like, you know, like, I love my job, or you may say, like, I really love this job. This job is the best job that's ever happened to me. We can praise and uplift our job higher than God. We can praise our houses. You love your house. You're always, you're like that neighbor that's got the yard that's, like, perfectly straight, you know, you're there with the, the, the scissors, and you're like, everyone's standing in attention, every blade of grass. Like, you know, you're that person. You, you, know, you praise your house. Um, celebrities, some of us are obsessed with celebrities. 
And so you're following people on the news feeds and you're following what's going on in Hollywood and what's going on in, in the music world and everything like that. You're following people. And you're, you're praising celebrities. Some of us praise our relationships higher than we praise Jesus. And you're like, I love him, but you understand, he is the perfect person for me. And then he goes and screws up, and you're like, oh, I hate that guy. Or, the, you know, vice versa with a girl, like, she is so awesome, she is so hot, and she is so good looking. And then she does something weird, you're like, man, she ain't that good, you know. And so we praise our relationships, like, oh, without this person, I would be lost. I would be lost without this person. This person saved my life. That person didn't save your life. It just made it better for a little while, you know. Or we even praise our children. And we say, oh, little Timmy is so good at baseball. Or little Timmy is so good at math. And look at him. Look at my kid. And you're like the parent that goes around and gets a picture of your kid and puts it on the yard sign and puts it in the front door of your house with, like, lights shining on it. So when people come by, they're like, oh, there's the, the, the A honor roll student with extra credit credentials for college already at the age of six and all of that. And you start, like, that is, you praise your kid. Or you praise, like, your animals or your pets. Like, look at my perfect, you know, fish. And my, I raised this goldfish and so it was a little guppy and it just grew. Like, you praise things in life. Maybe you praise your electronics, the things that you have, the things that, 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 that might have you. You know, like, I love my 60-inch TV, flat screen, whatever. I love all those things. But listen, again, like John the Baptist and Elijah, those things will never save us. Those things will never save us. So while those things can be good, and yes, it's good to praise your kids. Don't be like, man, Pastor Felix, I shouldn't even praise my kids. Like, don't say that. You're going to get me in trouble. Like, no, praise your kids. Let them encourage your kids. Look, if my kid's doing good, I'm going to brag about my kid. I don't care. But never brag about your family. I brag about my wife. I was bragging about her this morning. She was like waking up putting pot roast at like 6 a.m. or something like that. Like, you know, when you praise something, don't praise it above and beyond Jesus, though. You see the difference? You put all your praise and all your trust in something that's not Christ. You push Christ out of the way. The Bible and like what Scripture was saying earlier, you want to remove all those things that are preventing you from running with Christ. So removing them, not necessarily like getting rid of the kids, while a lot of us would probably like to do that. You know, a lot of us might say like, well, I can use a weekend. You know, it's more so not holding them higher than Jesus. Because ultimately, Jesus gives us all of those things. See, I love and I praise Sarah for all the hard work she does. But I know it's because of God that I am even able to be with a woman like Sarah. Because God knows. (laughs) Yeah, like that's a miracle. So we praise him for the things he has given us. We praise him above the things. We praise the creator, not the created. I love how the psalmist writes about his lips here about the Lord. The other thing is singing praises to him. We talked about that earlier in the service. It says, because a loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Because thy loving kindness is greater than my life, I shall praise, my lips shall praise thee. Basically, because your love, your never-ending love, God, Jesus, Savior, is better than life itself, my lips will always sing praises to you. That's how we know a person knows Jesus as Lord in his life because they are constantly singing praises to the Lord in some way or fashion. I'm not saying you got to walk around like acapella style down the street talking and singing to God. You're like, oh, awesome God. And just like say that. No, I'm saying like everything that comes out of your mouth glorifies God in some way. Does that make sense? Everything that comes out of your mouth glorifies God in some way, not curses, 
Not malicious speech, not gossip, not trash-talking or degrading others, but glorifying God, always praising the God who saved us. Some of you are like, oh, man, I just don't like that person. Oh, I don't like that girl. Oh, she, did you see what she wore the other day? You know, like, we don't, we, we talk down to people versus saying, did you see what that person is going through? We need to pray for them. We need to surround them with love. We don't degrade people as Christians. And there's a lot of people, believe me, trust me, there's a lot of people that deserve degrading in this world, amen? But Christ never degraded people. So why should we degrade people? Christ prayed for the criminals on the cross who were getting executed. Christ prayed for the, the, the guy who was possessed by demons. Christ prayed for all those people. Why shouldn't we do the same thing? James says it here, uh, talks about praising the Lord with, with our lips. Is, with it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we give curse to people who are made in the likeness of God. For the same mouth come blessing and curses. My brothers, this ought not to be. So let's remember that next time we drop the F-bomb. Or let's remember that next time we start gossiping about someone else and who's sleeping with who and who's on drugs and who's messing up in this world and did you see the affair that's going on? Let's stop talking down to them and start turning out of the way that we can lift them up in prayer, lift them up in regards of good speech, encourage people. Let's start looking at ways we can do that. Because when we do that, we know that Jesus is Lord in our lives. Because we're praising them, everything comes out. And they look at you and say, man, I saw that guy the other day. And you know what? I was having a, man, I was having a crappy day. And instead of putting me down or instead of yelling at me, he encouraged me. He said, man, it's going to be all right. We're going to lift it up. You know, God's got this. He's got you. You're good. You're praising God in that way. Let's remember to do that. And one last thing in closing before I, I end this here. The story of Peter confessing Jesus Christ as Lord is also mentioned in the book of Matthew. Now, Mark says it too, but if you look at the book of Mark, he has it in like four scriptures, like four little lines, okay? Matthew has it like an eight, okay? And if you remember when we first started the, the gospel of Mark, we said Mark was a cut-to-the-chase kind of guy. Like Mark was the type of guy that was like, hey, this happened. He was a man's man. He was like, I don't need to give you details. This happened, and then it rained, and then it flooded, and now we're dry. Boom. There you go. Who cares about the things in between? But Matthew was not. Matthew was more of a thinker. And so he actually started to write a little bit more about what was going on in that moment. And so real quick, this is Matthew 16, starting in verse 13. You can turn there if you want. Um, you, you can just listen to me. You don't have to even listen to me if you don't want to. It's, it's all the same to me. In verse 13, it says, Now Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi. This is in Matthew, verse 16. And he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, Jeremiah. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now that sounds pretty familiar right now, right? Like that's, I mean, that's, like, that, that's like going right out of line with what Mark is saying here. But the next couple of verses change that. This is verse 17 in Matthew. It says, But Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. That's a whole other sermon right there, by the way. And I tell you that you are Peter. 
that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And he strictly charged the disciples not to go tell anyone that he was the Christ. So upon this rock, upon this rock is what Jesus said. Many religions will teach that this is the start of the church. And they'll say Peter was the start of the church, that Peter was the rock, that Peter, Peter's the guy, like right here, forget Jesus, Peter's the guy that started the church, right? And that sounds awesome, and, and we, we, there's even people say Peter was the first pope, and he started the Catholic church, which it sounds awesome, but it's all wrong. Because in history, we know that Rome actually started the Catholic Church as a response to Christians growing and outnumbering people, that the Romans were scared of them, so they started their own religion that kind of looked like Christianity, but wasn't exactly Christianity. They had a democracy in it to overrule and control Christians so that they wouldn't get overruled. That's a whole other sermon. But Peter was not the rock. Peter was not the rock. The rock was Peter's confession. When Peter said, you are the Christ, Jesus said, that is the rock. And upon this rock, what you said, that I am Lord, upon this rock, I will build my church. And that's the rock that built the church. So when people like you and me, ordinary people living extraordinary lives for Christ, when we claim that Jesus is Lord, his church is built. And it goes further and further. Why? Because we are trusting him with all of our lives. The church, I promise you, would never grow if people don't trust God with all their lives. If you hold back 1% of your life to Christ, he will never push you to 100% that you need to go. And so the church is going to grow because we call him Lord. We trust him with all of our lives. We um, obey all his commandments. We do our best to obey his commandments and the church grows. Think about that. Think about those who have come and gone from this church and those of them who are struggling to obey commandments. Is the church growing or not? No, because they're struggling with obeying commandments. The church is not going to grow. And then if we were trusting him with everything, obeying his commandments, and we were singing praises to God, what do we sing this morning? Where are we singing praises to God this morning? So you're burning like a star, like a fire in our hearts. That is the praises that we're singing to the Creator who created us. When all these things are done, the church will grow. The body of Christ has to grow in community because we're all living on mission and doing whatever it is. We're calling Jesus Lord in our lives, however that looks like in our lives. And everyone is living and doing the same thing over and over again. So I challenge you with this. Is Jesus Lord of your life? Is Jesus Lord of your life? And if not, why? If he's not Lord of your life, why? What is standing in your way from following Jesus? Don't let it be you. Don't let you be the only thing standing between you and what God has in store for you. A lot of us are hindered from following Jesus just because we were scared to take that next step like Skylar did. Or we're scared to sing praises to him and we're, we're holding back or we're scared to, you know, to obey his commandments because they don't make sense to us. Don't let that be you. Declare him as Lord. Trust in him for everything. 
obey his commandments, and praise him with your lips. Let's all pray. Father God, thank you so much for today. God, thank you for, um, for being Lord in our lives. God, we give thanks and praise to you for everything that you have done for us. And we just lift you up as Lord. For those of us here who may not acknowledge you as Lord, man, we pray that they do that today. Say, Lord, I want to give my life to you. I want to praise you forever. I want you to be Lord of my life. Christian, if that is you here today, God, may, 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 you just, may you just be open with that. May you confess that today. May you say, I have not been walking with you, Lord. I've been running from you. You just please remove things in my life that are hindering me from running with you. Remove things in my life that are hindering me from fully following you, from fully calling you Lord of my life. May you surrender to that calling today. And I, that is you here today. If you have made that decision, if you need to, to, to make the decision, may you just tell someone here today. You confess it to someone so that we can pray for you. You confess it to one of us so that we can be here for you as a community, as a family. Loving you through your struggles, loving you through your hard times. Lifting us up at the same time. Encouraging one another. Father God, thank you so much for your protection. God, thank you for all those things that you have saved us from, from this weather, the things that we don't even know would have happened that you averted from us. God, and thank you so much for letting us endure this crazy week with you. God, thank you for keeping us safe. God, I pray so much that, uh, that your presence just be known among this church, that we never do church without you, Lord, that we keep pushing forward and we keep striving to build community and build relationships with people that, that grow your kingdom. To Christ, I may humbly pray. All God's people said, Amen. Guys, give a round of applause for God.